the Washington football team announced an announcement recently that they would be announcing their new team name next month. There have been a number of contenders that have been talked about over the course of this whole process. Uh, Sadly, Red Wolves, which I really liked, was officially ruled out as a name. I personally think that it would be a very cool choice to keep Washington football team. It feels very Leather Helmets 19th century in a good way. But I think the absolute no-brainer lock-it-in choice is your Washington Red Tails. This is a a rare opportunity for the football team. A, to do something smart, which they are not prone to usually. Uh, And also a a rare situation where everyone can be happy about this decision. Uh, It seems like they are trending towards some kind of military-themed name. Some of the options included the Washington Commanders and the Washington Admirals, which, in my opinion, are terrible. Uh, But the Washington Red Tails, it references the Tuskegee Airmen, the first African-American pilots of the U.S. Air Force during World War II. So, you're fulfilling the military angle. You're paying homage, or homage, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, to a very important part of Black American history. And you're also hearkening back to the original name with having red in there, which should satisfy even those they never should have changed the name people, which, you know, you can argue, do we want to satisfy those people? But if we're working in the interest of keeping everyone happy, I think this is an absolute home run. It's a done deal. Write it down. It's over. But speaking of over, one thing that is just beginning is a new year and a new episode of High Floor, A Low Ceiling. I know we don't normally comment on the uh, rant after the theme song, Chris, but I do very much like your choice for the Red Tails. That seems like the best option, which makes me 100% confident that Washington will not pick it. <laughs> yes, there was a uh, there was a moment where they there was some kind of thing where there was a website that said admirals people were talking about. I don't know if that's real, but at any rate, we will, we will find out next month, but forget that for now. Yeah. A much more important, Griffin, is that we are welcoming all of our lovely listeners to, as I said, a new year of high floor, low ceiling. We are legally speaking in year two of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a whole new era for us. Uh, We hope you all missed us over our break. Uh, Mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed your break from all of this craziness, Chris, the, the fast paced high octane world of having our very own podcast. Oh, I thought you meant the no- the novel coronavirus pandemic. Oh, no, there's no break from that. That is that is here at all times, constantly yeah. invading every every facet of life. But yes, no, but we, we are, are back. We are back in a big way. Uh thank you to everyone who listened to that holiday episode. Uh Griffin, you said before we started recording, it is our most popular episode. Yes, in the this was history our... of high floor yeah. low ceiling. Yes, this was <laughs> you really you really got me there. This was the first ever episode we had to uh pass our debut episode in in the ratings. So a big thank you to everyone who listened to that. Uh we had a lot of fun making it, I know, so I hope that you enjoyed it. And let's hope that every episode we make from here on out passes the previous one in the ratings. We'll, yeah, we'll never have just, a... I think it'll just be a linear progression straight upward. 
Um, if you could not tell from our our brief starts and stops, we are recording remotely, both because, uh, as we mentioned, I think on our holiday episode, we are out of the studio uh, and in our homes, both both for uh, <laughs> logistics purposes and safety purposes, I'd say, for the time being. Uh, but we will soldier on. You know, we had some great Zoom episodes with Mitch Bannon, and so I think that uh, we can... We can get it done. Yeah, yeah. We we still it's still our brains and our mouths. Just because it's in a different different room doesn't mean that it's not still your two favorite podcast hosts on the market making that mouth magic that we always have and always will. Wow, really powerful stuff. Um, <laughs> Griffin, let's jump right in because it has been a while since we uh, have had the chance to sit down and talk about some sports. Yeah, did we uh, miss and- anything? <laughs> I think a couple things went down. The World Juniors. We should have uh, should have done a World Juniors preview episode, maybe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was a really burned hot and fast. <laughs> yeah, it it did it burned out rather than fade away. I believe the yeah. saying goes. Couple of, couple of good games though. I had, I had fun watching it while I could. Yeah, there uh, was a hat trick. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown. He did his. Yes, we will. His thing. I'm sure we would have talked about it, but uh, who can be bothered now? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get to it. But uh, but yes, a lot has gone on. And I think the chief among them in terms of uh, contemporary events in the sporting world is the NFL playoffs. Uh, we wrapped up with a, a very a very fascinating week 18. Uh, Griffin, were you watching? I believe you were the infamous not a tie game between the Raiders and the Chargers. I indeed was. And let me tell you, as a Baltimore Ravens fan who just a few hours earlier had suffered the humiliation of watching a vastly inferior Pittsburgh Steelers team beat the Ravens and seemingly secure their trip to the playoffs, those moments where I thought that that game would actually end in a tie beyond all odds and knock the Steelers out was a a sadistic joy that honestly frightened me how how giddy I was just watching that clock tick down and then Josh giddy. I don't Sorry, buy <laughs> yes, show, youngest NBA player to ever record a triple oh, double another, we missed that we missed that on our break but please, do you follow please. him on TikTok he's big he's big on TikTok <laughs> I'm not a TikToker I'm oh Chris you're the, missing it part of the older generation as you know that's true that's true I'm I'm Gen Z I don't know what you are but please um, tell me about your uh, your feelings on this game oh well I just Yeah, I don't think that Brandon Staley actually blew it as much as Twitter seemed to suggest he did. Mm -hmm. Like, it seemed like the Raiders were just going to kick the field goal either way, and he certainly wasn't taking a timeout to save the clock. He just wanted to get his defense on the field. Where he really blew it was that his defense allowed Josh Jacobs to run for 10 yards on that last play. So that was the real mistake to me. But still, what a finish. Week 18, talk about making your debut with a bang. Yeah, it definitely was one of the more exciting, you know, last weeks in the league. I can remember there were a ton of playoff spots up for grabs and the way things shook out. You know, I'm, I I feel like I'm a very unpopular opinion here because I'm of the mind that if you're playing for a tie going into the playoffs, it's just bad karma. You know, you should you should be wanting to go into the playoffs on a win regardless of how it affects your your situation. I do see where you're coming from, where that would be a weird mindset to try and... Uh play a professional football game in but didn't end in a tie the the Raiders had that killer instinct 
And now we're into the playoffs, Chris. I love the NFL playoffs. I don't know about you, but I think they're a lot of fun. The single elimination, you always get some like historically good matchups with some like fresh new ones sprinkled in. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a solid playoff field, although I think the first thing that we sort of should get to here is the the parody that that it feels like that we have in the league right now. It really doesn't feel like any one team has like a really strong case to be like no doubt that's your Super Bowl champion. I mean, there's always going to be some some variance because of that single elimination like you said. But it really doesn't feel like there's any one team that feels like, even in either conference, that feels like a no doubt they'll be in the Super Bowl team. Yeah, this playoff field uh, really wants a cracker because it's it's parody. What? Like a parrot? <laughs> oh. You know, Polly want a uh-huh. cracker? Uh-huh. Parody. Yeah. But fa- fa- that famous expression, parrot want a cracker? <laughs> well, I just I had to think of something famously parrot related. Uh-huh. I think I came up. I think that was better than like some random other bird species. Like if you had Monty said it was Python sketch, it was chicka chicka I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had anything with that. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you did say parody because at least a parrot does have a a famous right. catchphrase. <laughs> right. This is translated to an audio medium. But let's talk about this field. Well, I'll just run through them super quick. AFC, you have. The Titans, who we questioned whether they would be in a playoff spot after Derrick Henry went down. They yeah, we the gave them the, uh, the high floor, low ceiling bump for sure. One of those reverse bumps that we sometimes give out. Yeah, sort of uh, a, uh, it's like, you know, it's like how a rocket takes off. We bump you, we bump towards the ground and you get moved up. <laughs> um, the Chiefs are the two seed, the Bills, the Bengals, the Patriots, the Las Vegas Raiders getting in on the last day, and of course the lowly Pittsburgh Steelers who I think I think really they're being counted out so hard that there almost has to be some kind of jinx forthcoming (laughs) yeah I I I would say the line for that game should probably be around 45 points so maybe I'm contributing maybe I'm contributing but come on it is it is a come on but at the same time the Kansas City Chiefs you don't feel like you can really put the kind of faith in them that you could the last couple of years I mean, maybe maybe in the first month of the season, but how did how did they finish? Didn't they start out badly and yeah. haven't they've like they're back to normal? I think that's my one of my hot playoff takes is that the Chiefs are back to the way things were. Yeah, they. I I do feel the same way. I was always kind of of the opinion that they would sort of figure things out. Yes, they started three and four, finished on a nine one run. Their only loss coming to the Bengals in week seventeen. And they do obviously get that that great matchup with the Steelers, which you know they're certainly happy to the Raiders for giving them that. So they are they are in a good spot. Um, and then the NFC, you have the Packers at number one, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Forty Nine or the Cardinals, the Forty ers and the Eagles, uh, a team that we really did not talk about much at all coming into. Uh, coming into any of these sort of playoff discussions that we've had throughout the season but no it's true to uh manage to turn themselves into a playoff team yeah in fact when like the most we talked about the eagles was the fact that when we would talk about the cowboys we would basically say they don't deserve (laughs) to be here they've got an easy division and now two team another team from the nfc east has made the playoffs so look at that with that being said i don't think eagles buccaneers is quite at the level of steelers chiefs uh 
but I do think that the Bucks will win. Let's put it that way, Chris. <laughs> I think that is a, a valid take on the subject. Um, but let, let's let's just dive in on a couple of teams. You know, there are some sort of interesting teams here. The Titans are one that definitely uh, pique my interest, especially because Derrick Henry seems primed to return. They get that first week by, which could actually be very big for them if he can come back totally healthy. Do you see them making any kind of push here? Wait, the NFL playoffs, this is a very embarrassing question, but they have reseeding, right? Yes. Or is this a straight-up bracket? Okay, so... Yes, it is reseeded. So they would face the probably the Bengals, the Raiders, or the Patriots, you would think, assuming the Chiefs beat the Steelers, which, you know, again, we're contributing to the jinx. I I'm I want to be on on record now as when the Steelers beat the Chiefs, but I'll be like the one who was sort of sounding the alarm. You had bell. the gut feeling, yeah. But yes, but most likely the Bengals, Patriots, or Raiders, which you know is certainly a preferable matchup to getting the Chiefs or the Bills. Do you what what kind of what kind of odds do you give them to you know make make a bit of a run here? Uh, I think it'll be tough for the Titans. Who knows what Derrick Henry will be like when he does get back. Of course, they have looked pretty good without Derrick Henry. But at some point when it comes down to playoff football, like you just have to say, as great of a regular season as the Titans had and all the adversity they overcame, they're just they're not on the level of some of these other rosters we see in the AFC. Like I don't think they're I think they're probably the third best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, so I could see them winning their first playoff game and getting to the AFC Championship, but I think whoever is uh, remaining on the other side from that Kansas City-Buffalo game that I expect we'll see, uh, that that will be, I think, who represents the AFC in the Super Bowl. With all due respect, once again, to the Titans and the great season that they did have. Yeah, they're definitely in an interesting situation. Like They were pretty average as an offensive team. Obviously, A.G. Brown dealt with some injury. Julio Jones has been... A total non-factor, which is infuriating to me as a fantasy owner, yeah. uh, or sorry, a fantasy manager of him in uh, in all three leagues, I believe, that I played in. Which oh, was, did, was that deliberate? Did you have a hunch on Julio Jones this year? I was all in on the Titans stack. I believe I had, I had Ryan Tannehill in two out of three leagues, I had AJ Brown in one league, and I had Julio Jones in all three leagues. I was like, the Titans, that's the they're going to tear it up this year. And you were and, right, they were the number one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was not conducive to good fantasy football, but it was apparently conducive to good football. I mean, like, they're they're you don't think of them as a great defensive team either, but they are, you know, knocking on the door of being a top five defensive team. So Yeah. They had to get right. here somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. They're one of those teams where you look at it and you're like, the offense is fine. I guess the defense is fine. Number one seed, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, and you know they obviously had some some help with the Chiefs sort of floundering a little bit at the beginning of the season. You'd think that the Chiefs would be definitely in a better spot if you know if they played the whole season the way they did the last fifteen weeks or so. Then certainly they'd probably be fourteen wins or so. I'd, I'd imagine. Um, let's move to the NFC though. We talked about the Packers a little while ago. I remember when we were sort of talking, like, forecasting these potential playoff matchups talking about the the Cowboys, the Packers, the Bucks, the Rams, the Cardinals, like which which of those teams you would want to avoid in the playoffs. And I I gave my uh, I described it as a Bill Simmons-esque hot take that the Packers are the team that you're not that afraid of. Yeah, you, you wanted s- the Packers. Do you still feel 
am I am I off base there? I I still feel like they're they're the most complete team probably in the entire playoff field. They're obviously they were the most consistent team this year. They finished with the one seed in the NFC. They're a really strong team, but at the same time, they don't like they don't have that it factor. I feel like where you you know uh, like a, a Kyler Murray or you know like a Rams defense that can just like tear you to shreds suddenly. I feel like they don't have those superstar factors that like they're just really solid all around are you talking about the packers yeah i mean you don't think they they have a superstar factor (laughs) on the green bay packers (laughs) okay you're right that's that was a poor choice of words perhaps uh and obviously an it factor we've seen aaron Rodgers go to some nfc championship games certainly but like you know you talk about them as the best team in football they were Obviously, just raw points isn't everything, but they were the tenth scoring offense. They were thirteenth in points against. Like they, they don't seem crazy stacked on paper. Like it does feel like this is the same Packers team that we've seen in years before, where they come in looking great, but they are the most consistent team in the league at coming up a bit short. It feels like, Yeah, yeah, like you said, getting to that NFC Championship game. And just not being able to break through. Is this the year? Maybe with, uh, I mean, the Bucks looking, Tom Brady looking older, uh, the Cowboys and 49ers not really scaring you, the Rams and Cardinals, they're going to, one of them's going to knock out the other one in the first round. Mm-hmm. With that being said, uh, I still wouldn't want to play the Packers in the playoffs just because I do think a lot has changed in my viewpoint of Aaron Rodgers off the field since we did that last segment. Uh, <laughs> but... I don't remember exactly when it was, but I think it was before we found out everything. But on the field, I still think that he does things that no other player who's ever touched a football field does. And it just, it makes me so scared to say, I want to play that. Like other teams might be better from head to toe, as you say, but in a playoff one game elimination scenario, I don't want to play the best quarterback in the league. (laughs) That's just you. Yeah, that's um, just me, same, though. But at the same time, you know, it's like, would you rather play Tom Brady? Definitely not, right? Tom Brady's mediocre. No, okay. I'm kidding. Of course. I'm just <laughs> joking. Like... But I do think maybe this is just because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, like, makes more wow plays than Tom Brady does. But I still think that he's more scary than Tom Brady in a vacuum. The Bucks, yeah. I think, have a better team. But that Rodgers-Adams connection is just so terrifying. Yeah, I just, they like you said, I think the way you put it was very apt, that they always feel like the team that can't quite get there. And again, like, they're, they're the most complete team, but it's hard to say that I feel, uh, other than Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't feel super, I'm not quaking into my boots, so to speak. Um, but yeah, compared to, you know, say a Matt Stafford, who has really struggled down the stretch, I think definitely playing playing against the best quarterback is definitely not something you want to do in the playoffs. So I think that's a very valid point. Um, let's turn to the Dallas Cowboys just really quick. Revisit those Cowboys. Um, how about them Cowboys? Sure. Uh, how about how about them, Chris? Well, Griffin, they closed their season five and one in their last six. Their only loss was to the Arizona Cardinals. They had two fifty-point games in their last three weeks. Granted, those were against the football team and the Eagles, but. You know, those aren't total pushover teams. Those aren't Jaguars-level teams. And regardless of your opponent, putting up 50 in a game is a very impressive win. And I, Oh, yeah. I'm They're still an to... NFL defense. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, they were they were the number one scoring offense. They were a top 10 team in points allowed. I'm, I'm starting to feel like the Cowboys might be, you know, it's sort of like Green Bay where they, they feel like they're a very complete team, especially on offense. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying for sure. The Dallas Cowboys, I think it certainly impressed me more and more as the season went on. Uh, I still don't like really feel great about Ezekiel Elliott, but between him and Tony Pollard, you're going to have one of them having a good game most days. And also it's the NFL in 2022. You don't really need a great running back anymore. Um, And Dak Prescott, I think all questions have been answered. He's a phenomenal quarterback. So the Cowboys have that great offense and a good enough defense that I think they could make some serious noise. Uh, I guess they would end up playing. I don't know. There's no seeds on the NFL website here, but I I think that here. Okay. They're, they're the three seed, the Bucks are the two, so that would be the matchup. And all if the favorites win, that would be the matchup. Yeah. That would be yeah. really interesting to me, the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. I think I would lean Dallas slightly in that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost didn't want to say it because it sounds totally sacrilegious, but like I feel about almost, maybe not as, but almost as afraid of facing Dak Prescott in the playoff game as I do with like a Brady or a Rogers where it's like he, he is not obviously, he doesn't have the playoff pedigree. He doesn't have that sort of clutch aura around him, but like he is a very, very good and very, very complete quarterback that like, I think, you know, on paper, you can stack him up with those guys and it doesn't seem crazy. Am I, am I totally off base here? No, I think you're on track for sure. I mean, I was going to declare where he was among quarterbacks in the NFC playoff field, but there are so many great quarterbacks in the NFC playoff field this year that that's tough to do. Yeah. Well, Garoppolo is the only one who I wouldn't consider a great quarterback. I'm a big Jalen hurts fan too, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, the Cowboys, I think I could see a world where they get to the NFC championship game and it's not a crazy world, which goes against a lot of what I was saying earlier in the season. But uh, if you don't grow when you're presented with new information, what kind of person are you, Chris? And wow. the Cowboys have done nothing but present me with new information. Shout out to them. Uh, they'll probably still lose to the 49ers, but <laughs> yeah. they might not. <laughs> there's there's a, a very strong chance that we look foolish after this week of playoff games shakes out, but we will see. Um, I want to move on and talk about uh, what, what I've labeled the, the most interesting team in the playoff field, like just sort of teams that are not necessarily out and out super duper contenders, but that we think are just a very interesting team to to sort of study. And uh, why, why don't you go first here, Griffin? Who is the team that you chose as your your most interesting team in the world, we'll call it? Well, I am very intrigued by the vicious no tie mentality Las Vegas Raiders uh it's hard to imagine a more tumultuous season off the field for the Raiders of course you had all the John Gruden drama you had their wide receiver uh Henry Riggs the third I can never remember if it's Riggs or Ruggs Ruggs yeah yeah their wide receiver Henry Ruggs the third of course involved in that terrible uh accident and there are other things that happened too that I'm now forgetting (laughs) But the Raiders have had a crazy season off the field and, of course, had the opportunity to take a tie and play the Chiefs in that first-round matchup, chose not to do it, chose to take the win, knock out their division rival, the Chargers, and take on this young and exciting Cincinnati Bengals team, another very interesting team, I think. 
Um, so I'm really intrigued to see what the Raiders do. Of course, Derek Carr has never played in the playoffs before, uh, so we'll see how he does under the big lights. I feel like he's composed enough. He seems pretty laid back. I think he'll be able to have a good playoff debut. And I do think that the Raiders will beat the Bengals just on the basis of the Bengals being so young in that first-round matchup and uh, pull off a bit of an upset, if you look at the seeding, at least. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that would be an upset. Um, you know, I'm always fascinated because, you know, in the NBA, a lot of times we look at the the offensive and defensive rating, um, and, you know, that can reveal some interesting things. You know, usually you say a team that would be top 10 and both would be a contender. Um, again, obviously, this is not the end-all, be-all, especially because it's just a, a pure points for, points against stat, but the Raiders are the number 18 scoring offense and the number 26 team in points allowed. And then, so you look at a team like that and then you see that they're 10 and seven, the, the variance in the NFL always shakes me up a little that like that you can have a team that was below average offensively and terrible defensively. And that's a 10 and seven playoff team. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to win, win them when they're close, Chris. Uh, so true. That's that. I think, as much as a uh, point differential can be an indicate a better indicator of a team's quality than a uh, record, I do think that in a one-game elimination, that winning close games, winning tight games, does pay off over the course of a season, learning how to play in those close nail-biters. And uh, that's something that I think will help the Raiders as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they, their offense, you know, when you look at it, it, it is a pretty a pretty solid offense from top to bottom. Like you said, I think Carr is a pretty solid quarterback. Um, obviously, you have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake as the main sort of running back tandem there, and Peyton Barber as well. Um, and then, you know, Hunter Renfro, he had an awesome season. Obviously, Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the league. So they do, even without rugs, they have a pretty solid offensive grouping um, I'd say the defense is really just the question for them. And, you know, when you put them against the Bengals, like I just I feel like the Bengals can just put 40 on them so easily. Yeah, they've got a good pass rush with uh, Max Crosby there. So that I think will be a key is getting in Burrow's face early and often and making him uncomfortable, especially with the Bengals yeah. having a bit of a weak offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Not giving um, him time to get it to Jamar Chase down the field. But I could go on and on about the importance of pressuring Joe Burrow in the AFC wildcard, Chris. Who is your <laughs> – I could. I have hours of material on how important it is to pressure this kid. But well, who is your most interesting that. team in the playoffs? I don't want to interrupt all that important research you did, but my most interesting team is the, the somewhat undersung, in my opinion, Buffalo Bills – uh, they kind of flew under the radar this year because the Patriots were the big point of discussion because they're the Patriots and because they were a big surprise in the division this year. But they did uh, manage to squeak out that win in the division by one game. They had the big win against the Pats in Week 16. That was uh, pretty important for them. Uh, this is a team, you know, if we talk about the Raiders having a weak offense and a weak defense and still uh, turning it out, this is a team that is almost certainly better than 11 and six in my mind. They're the number three scoring offense. They allowed the fewest points per game. They were number one in defensive DVOA an 11.4 average point differential. They have a couple of weird blips. They had a nine, six loss to the Jaguars, uh, which I dug deeper on because I was like, surely Josh Allen was out, but no, they just lost straight up nine, six to the Jaguars. 
Uh, they did have that blowout against the Colts. That was a, a weird loss for them. In your mind, Griffin, are the Buffalo Bills, partly because of the Buffalo Bills and partly just the way that they've been the last few seasons, have they reached the kind of status where, uh, you know, I, I think I said it about the Utah Jazz a couple of weeks ago, where you need them to prove it in the playoffs before you give them any credence? Uh, I do feel like that on some level, but last year we did see them go to the AFC Championship game, uh, put together a great run. Like you said, one of the best defenses in all of football, one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. Uh, so as much as I do see what you're saying with the Jazz comparison, I do think that the Bills are ready to take that next step. And Chris, do you want me to get a little bold? Get a little brash? I would love for you to be bold and brash. Bold and brash. All right. About a month from now, I'm not sure exactly when, but in just about four weeks, we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills and their Super Bowl that they just won. Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl. I'm saying it. Wow. That is absolutely major. But you do you do see the path for them, honestly, because, well, I guess the, the big thing is the Chiefs. It's yeah. always going to be the Chiefs, and they, they are going to have to face the Chiefs regardless, right? Unless the Steelers win, of course. Yeah. But, if, but as if much as I was been... talking earlier about how the Chiefs are back to normal, I don't think they're quite back to that level of dominance from a few years ago. I think there is a hole there. As much as they are back to being a great team, they're not back to being the untouchable team that we've seen in the past. And I think that the Bills are as ready as they'll ever be. Yeah, I think they're back to being contender status. I don't think they're back to being like, this is maybe the best offense we've ever seen yeah. in football, which is how it felt the last two years, I think. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, if they can if they could somehow avoid the Chiefs, that would really give them a super easy path because they would... Which, as you said, momentum, momentum's building. Yeah, the, the, the Chiefs' loss is becoming more and more real. Maybe Maybe we... Do our first uh, high floor, low ceiling gambling play here and put a little bit of money on the Steelers just to see what happens. Uh, but yeah, so I, I I think that's a very bold claim, certainly. There are a lot of good teams that they'll have to get through. But I mean, if they get through the Chiefs, then you're facing most likely uh, either the Titans or the Bengals or the Raiders in a AFC championship game, which all feel like very winnable games for them. And then, you know, I think I, I like their chances against just about any team. Like, I I think that obviously I wouldn't strongly favor them over a Packers or a Bucks or a Cowboys or even a Rams. But I think that they are definitely in the mix, certainly, as one of those top tier teams. I agree. <laughs> Sometimes that's all Sometimes that that's all said. you can say. Um, I realized that I already talked about the Bills. By the way, Joe Burrow, uh, very good against the Blitz. So don't blitz, just rely on your normal <laughs> defensive pressure. You are coming ready with all of the important uh, Joe Burrow pass rush information that we need. Uh, let's just talk really quick because, you know, I don't want to don't want to hang on like this, this too quick? long. Really quick? Yeah, like like the Micro Machines guy, if you're familiar with that. Oh, uh, I'm not old enough, I'm afraid. I was about to say, you might be too young for it. Um, Is it on TikTok? <laughs> you are scum um <laughs> let's talk about the biggest x factors of the playoffs just a, just a real quick one because you know talking about the bills they face the path this week you can't discount that because you know even though we're talking about them in the second round against the chiefs or the super bowl or whatever they do face the paths this week and that is not a uh a, a market down win for them 
can we consider is the, is just the Pats defense? <laughs> can you do they count as an X factor? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, of course, the Bills fans in Buffalo, you got to be thinking they are thinking right now. Are you kidding me? We have to play the Patriots in the playoffs. Like we got yeah. one year off from this team that ruined our lives for the past twenty years, and they're already back. So I do think there's a bit of a boogeyman there. Um, but yeah, that Patriots defense is going to be in tough against Josh Allen. Uh, that's that could be an X factor that uh, swings the whole game, as you said, whether or not the Bills score a lot of points. Yeah, and they do have that win against the Bills uh, from earlier this season, although, of course, the Bills did avenge that loss. So it's it's pretty even at this point, I would say. I, th- I think that that will be a, a really great game. Maybe some just classic AFC, uh, the the scoreline for the first game was 14-10. to 10. I think we could see a 14-10 to 10 type of game here, Griffin. Mm-hmm in the cold it's in buffalo right yeah so yeah chilly um, chilly night maybe some snow Ooh, that would be nice yeah and speaking of that matchup is this is <laughs> this is maybe too hot take for high floor low ceiling where we do not do hot takes that's true um but is there some kind of twisted sicko logic where you can say mac jones because he is relatively low usage it feels like they they, they sort of they give him the easy passes. We we've seen articles and things like that about how the whole pass game is sort of simplified because Mac Jones is a rookie. Can you almost say that he is more reliable than Josh Allen? Not reliable in terms of putting a big game, but reliable in terms of you know what you're getting from him and can sort of game plan accordingly around that. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. He is very much like Tom Brady, where he makes the mid range throws and he completes them and he marches an offense down the field uh whereas josh allen you said is more of that cannon for an arm big play can get it done with his legs so i do think mac jones is maybe more yeah like i don't want to say boring but like yeah he just plods his team down the field six yards eight yards six yards 12 yards 14 yards whereas josh allen might be zero zero thirty four six thirty eight twelve Sounds like I'm calling the play, but really I'm calling the results of plays. Blue Very 90. different, Chris. Um, so, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, another X factor I wanted to hit on, Patrick Mahomes, I think, because as sure. as we keep going back and forth, I keep <laughs> yeah. going back and forth on Mahomes in this own podcast. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he looked great for a lot of this year. At the beginning, he did not. And once you get back into the scrutiny of that playoffs – he looked bad in the Super Bowl last year, the last time we saw him in the playoffs. It wasn't his fault. Wow. His line was bad. But Certainly. I do think that Mahomes will. I'll be watching him closely, maybe not against the Steelers because that'll be easy, but once he gets to, we presume, the Bills in the second round, that'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think, I think think the reason that you are sort of a little bit back and forth on the Chiefs is because they had a very back-and-forth season. Um, I saw a stat actually this morning uh, from an article on the ringer talking about the chiefs where so through the first eight weeks of the season he threw 19 touchdowns on 10 interceptions which was the worst in the league over that stretch and then in the last nine games he's thrown 18 touchdowns but only three interceptions so i think there is some credence to the idea that he has sort of cleaned up his game like we were talking about he doesn't seem and you know the chiefs offense in general they don't seem like the absolute juggernauts that they were the last couple of years but i think that's absolutely valid to to talk about him as an x factor um we'll hit on 
one more, and I, you know, I, I had JJ Watt here as well because he is returning for the Cardinals. That's a big one for them for their defense. But I wanted to hit on the situation in Tampa in terms of their receiving core. Obviously, uh, we alluded to Antonio Brown earlier and his whole uh, situation he has going there. Uh, Chris Godwin, obviously, I, I believe he's done for the season. Yeah. So you are you suddenly find yourself in a pretty interesting situation where you have Mike Evans and then, you know, obviously you have Cameron Bray and Gronkowski, the tight ends, OJ Howard as well. Um, but then you're starting to rely on some guys who maybe have not done as much uh, as much on the season so far. You know, Tyler Johnson or uh, a Cyril Grayson, who I definitely have heard of before. Just yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a quick Google because I'm 90% sure you made that up. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. It's crazy how fast that went from being maybe the most talented group of wide receivers in the league to Mike Evans, who is still an insanely talented wide receiver, mm -hmm. but he's going to get some tough matchups. Uh, defenses will really be able to focus in on him and not a lot else. So we'll see who can get open for Tom Brady. Maybe Tom Brady just decides, you know what? My receivers are banged up. I'm going to rush for 86 yards and three touchdowns, uh, in this game. Yeah, that's classic Brady stuff. Classic Brady, um, one of those classic Brady performances. Um, but, but doesn't it feel like, like you know, like you said, a month from now we could be talking about like, oh my gosh, Tom Brady, he's so amazing. Cyril Grayson had 111 receiving yards in the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Oh, absolutely. That would be the most classic Tom Brady thing imaginable to turn a no-name wide receiver. I feel like he did it 30 times in New England. Like, who the hell had ever heard of Randy Moss? No, that's exactly. a joke, Chris. That's a joke. I had heard Aww. of Randy Moss, okay? Well, I yeah, had heard, heard of him of, before. We all heard of him pulling his pants down, but as a football <laughs> player? No, but yeah, that would be a very Tom Brady thing to do. Uh, so yeah, let's see who can really make themselves stand out in that Bucks wide receiver room. Yes, and let's see who will stand out in the NFL playoffs. That will be a very interesting thing. I think we... I think we'll probably be hitting that pretty much every week for the next few weeks. You know, well, at least, you know, to, as a quick check in. Yeah, um, free content, baby. It's a free content, as they like to say. Um, <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with some more high floor. Hello, ceiling. Bum, bum, bum. And welcome back to. High floor, low ceiling, ceiling, ceiling. Nice. Ceiling. We're like a barbershop quartet. This is really good. Yeah, uh, a barbershop duet. Yes, the only two we need. <laughs> uh, Griffin, that was some wonderful talk about the NFL. So wonderful that we had to cut out one of our segments, uh, which just means that people get more content next week or whenever that uh, segment comes in. Yeah, personally, I can't believe that the two of us took longer discussing something than we thought we would. Uh, that's never happened before, but we'll do our best to make sure it never happens again. That's our promise to you. Hey, speaking of two of us, did you ever get to get back? Because I believe the last time that we had a podcast that you had not seen it yet. Have you seen it? You know what, Chris? I'm going to blow your mind. Last night, I watched wow. uh, the, first, the first hour or so. Um, wow. High flow, low ceiling. Yeah. Breaking news here. Uh, brain trust. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. But I love that you uh, referenced two of us because immediately when they started rehearsing that song, I loved it because that is maybe my favorite Beatles song. 
Wow, that is a, a very interesting choice. I really like the choice. Um, but yeah, so so you're into it so far. It is, it's it's a bit of a slog, I have to confess, because like there are there are so many gems within that, you know, I think it's like seven hours long all told, but you really have to be patient and let them sort of arrive. Yeah, no, I'm willing to just sit back and it really is more of a fly on the wall experience than like a more traditional narrative. So it's easy to, or interesting, I should say. Uh, What about you, Chris, over the holidays? uh, Did you watch anything that you really want to impress upon the people? Let's get a quick movie check in here because you mentioned to me that you had watched uh, The Holiday as well, which is something we talked about on our holiday episode. Yes, it was one of, I believe, your top five Christmas movies of all time. Watched it, loved it. Uh, have to say, did think Cameron Diaz gives a really like odd performance in that movie. She, um, she's a very interesting uh, figure for sure, but continue. Yeah. I, I love her in real life, and Kate Winslet, I think, was just incredible. I love the Eli Wallach scenes mm-hmm. uh and jack black good as a romantic lead of course no jude law the dreamiest man on the planet yeah he is but daddy as he says in the film that's true mr napkin face mr napkin head but yeah really liked it chris a great recommendation from you to me i appreciate that um for me did have have we already talked about daddy's home too <laughs> i feel like we've talked about it off air <laughs> Because Daddy's Home 2, which is also a Christmas movie, is just a real romp. Uh, and I'm sorry if we talked about it on the holiday episode, but, I mean, you got Farrell, you got Wahlberg, you got Lithgow, you got Mel Gibson. For some uh, reason. A problematic fave, for sure, for me. Um, so that was that was a great Christmas watch. Um, last night I watched The Hangover 3, which was uh, is weirdly just pretty much a straightforward action movie. Um, Griffin, as you know, you, you've been, you followed along as I've journeyed through Funny Vember. Do you remember oh, Funny Vember? Yes. And then Nice Ember. Yes, please. What is this month? <laughs> this month, Griffin, and you will despise this. Uh, so the full title of what we are working with this month is Steve V. Ken Zon of Jongstisuary. And I'll break that down for you because I, it oh, sounds I like caught, nothing. I caught one half of it. So, it's the films of Steve Zahn. Are you familiar with Steve Zahn? Uh, he was uh, in... The short answer that, would be no. He was in That Thing You Do. I just watched Reality Bites, which he's in. He's in Stuart Little. Is he the voice of Stuart Little? Hold on. This is crazy. I think he this might seems be... like a very specific actor to base an entire month of right, film watching of around. And also Especially Daddy Daycare, the, of course. Sorry, continue. Especially at the rate that you watch films. I, I don't... How thick is this guy's uh, filmography? Well, Griffin, I'm sure that's a, that's a great question. And that is why this is not just a Zonuary. This is Steve V. Ken, Zon of Jongstisuary, where we both watch the films of Steve Zahn and the films of the great Ken Jong. I do love Ken Jong. I would imagine... Is that why you watched The Hangover Part 3? That is exactly why I watched both The Hangover 2 and 3, both shockingly competent movies. Really? Yeah. Yeah, You have a weird love for for reviled movies. But the thing is, Griffin, the movie I really want to talk about, it's uh, Ken Jeong plays a supporting role. The film My Spy, Griffin, from 2020, starring Dave Bautista. It is a 
Yeah, you're familiar with the pacifier, I imagine. Oh yes. It's a classic uh, soldier, serious soldier type guy, teams up with a little kid. But Griffin, it is a fantastic film. <laughs> is it actually a fantastic film, Chris, or is this just something that you and your sick, twisted mind have perceived as a fantastic film? I think it is. Je- like so, the formula. You know, we all know this formula. It's the pacifier formula, but. It is so good at every turn. It is genuinely funny. It is genuinely thrilling. Um, there's a scene where Dave Batista dances to I Like It by Cardi B, and it it just works. <laughs> every like if I describe it to you, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> but it just it all works. Kristen Schaal, are you familiar with her? If that oh yeah, like big, big uh, Flight of the Concords fan. Absolutely. Um, so she's in it as well. She plays Dave Batista's uh, sort of analyst partner. They have a great moment. Her name is Bobby Olf in the film. Uh, so definitely would recommend My Spy to anyone. Uh, but Griffin, let's forget about that. Uh, we'll come back. Oh, and also, you know, that's a Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice pun, yeah. if you were clear. Steve v. No, that was Dawn the of... one part. Oh, I you, did that you understood? Wow. Yeah, I'm I thought really impressed. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice was gonna be one of the movies for no, 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 not Steve v Ken Zahn of Jongstis. You wear because it is January. You have to include that part as well. <laughs> um, but let's talk about because it is January and because it is a new year, we are going to talk about a couple of New Year's resolutions uh, that we have made for both ourselves and for. Uh, the sports world as a whole, you know, New Year's, it's a time for reflection. It's time to reconsider things. So we have each picked three resolutions, one for a sports league, one for one of our local Toronto teams, and one for ourselves. And Griffin, I want you to start. What is the league that you've chosen to to resolve this year? Uh, I have a polite suggestion, let's say, for Major League Baseball. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things one could say about Major League Baseball, but one thing I think is that a theme of New Year's is you got to learn to let the past be the past. It's a fresh start for everyone. It's a chance to really take a look in the mirror and say, those decisions I used to make were not good for me. I need to make new decisions. And specifically, Major League Baseball, you need to admit to yourself what everyone else already knows about you and what your loved one should be telling you that the idea of splitting a season between Montreal and Tampa Bay for the Rays is quite possibly the worst idea in the history of professional sports. How on earth is this going to make anyone happy? It's not. Just move the team to Montreal. Good God. Just spend the money, build a stadium, find someone, get Bell to do it, Bell would love a chance to rival Rogers in the Canadian baseball market, I'm sure, and figure it out because this idea, you got to just, this is me. I love you, Major League Baseball. You are a American tradition. You're a great part of my life. And I'm telling you, as your loved one, you need to shake this. You need to admit that this was a bad idea and you need to give it up. Yeah, I'm grabbing I, you I, by I, the shoulders and I'm shaking you, Major League uh, Baseball. This is just like when uh, the Wolfpack had an intervention for Allen in the Hangover 3. Good God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. it was interesting because did you see that article that came out, like, I think about a week ago 
about the the Tampa business leaders who are apparently on board with this idea. I was shocked that yeah, this was anyone... what sparked my latest <laughs> your your diatribe. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I I was shocked that anyone is on board with this other than Major League Baseball because like it is sort of a way for them to like sort of secretly like finagle a full like season's worth of money out of the Tampa Bay Rays who seem like a very uh a very unsuccessful franchise from a revenue standpoint certainly not from a baseball standpoint uh but yeah I'm surprised that anyone else is on board for this and I I I I do feel a little bad about being like you know I never want to be the person who's like yeah get rid of the team move them to (laughs) move the Kings to Seattle or whatever because like that is a bummer for people who are fans of the franchise and you know, I think Seattle having their franchise taken away is a, a great example of how how painful it can be to to lose a sports team. But I see what you're saying, and I do think that well, it's hard because there is a reason that you know it's the same with the Vancouver Grizzlies. There is a reason they left, so it's it's a tough situation. Yeah, but I mean, that's what the new year is all about. You got to make the tough decisions. You got to wow. not be afraid to break out, break it off with people who the relationship isn't good for you. And, and the cities of Tampa and St. Petersburg have not been good to major league baseball. They had their chance. And much like, uh, most rom-com endings, I don't care if they're running through the airport trying to win you back. The thing they did is bad and you should be willing to move on. Yeah. That's right. I'm so the guy who says don't get together at the end of the rom com. <laughs> yeah. You are the you're the existing boyfriend. Um yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the jerk who everyone's like, how the hell would they ever be dating in the first place? Yeah. Um my resolution, this is uh, I, I didn't have a specific one for a specific league, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about esports leagues because Griffin, uh, I know you are a fan of the Overwatch League. I'm a fan of uh primarily League of Legends esports. So we both have some uh, some experience and knowledge in this arena. And I, I feel like esports leagues missed the boat a little in the pandemic as, you know, the one of the sports leagues that could actually be playing and it sort of as an opportunity for them to to capture some market share and sort of have some crossover appeal. What do you think? Uh yeah, no, I liked that. Um we did sort of see what was interesting is that we saw that emergence at the beginning of the pandemic with like the eye racing, like being shown on TV instead of NASCAR and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, like you say, the opportunity was there and I think like the pandemic is still, still ongoing. We're still here. So yeah, keep the pedal to the metal, uh, get, get yourselves out there and I love it. Yeah. I, it's just, it is odd to me that they didn't expand as much as they did. I think there is still some sort of mental block where, you know, I think something like a, a Super Smash Brothers where it just sort of, sort of looks inherently cartoonish and maybe childish to, to the casual eye that, you know, that sort of is dissuading people. And that's why some of the more pushed esports by mainstream sports outlets are often the the iRacing or like the NBA 2K to like where they have a, a a traditional sport analog but i think like i do feel like something like maybe not Overwatch because it is just a more complex game but i think Counter-Strike has a lot of opportunity to just be like something that people would watch and find exciting because like i am no good at Counter-Strike but that is a game that i love to watch and like i always find thrilling and has like that has the kind of sports like exciting moments where things are coming down to the wire. 
Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm not a huge uh, indulger in Counter-Strike myself, but there is it is sort of the easiest game, I think, to translate to someone who does not play video games. Mm-hmm. Like, as someone who doesn't play League of Legends, uh, I try and watch it sometimes yeah. and get so lost so quickly. And I would imagine the exact same thing would happen for anyone who doesn't play Overwatch and tries to watch Overwatch. Or even even Rocket League, I think, would be another great one where the the format is there it's easy to understand and the skill is obvious rocket league i think is another esport that could make big moves in the next few years yeah so so that's my my resolution for the esports league is to just keep expanding keep trying to find that crossover there was there was uh, a couple of years there where they were showing e-league counter-strike on tbs and that was a pretty cool moment for them you know you had the inside the nba guys promoting that so i think we need to uh to have another bit of a resurgence in the in the esports landscape. Um, also, please watch Overwatch League if you're out there and you're interested. <laughs> my fake, my the only esport I watch is dying. Yeah, it's being I, hey, murdered by its own parent company. I heard, uh, heard Aim God is coming back. What do you think? Aim about God that? is coming back. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, he has big. Sho- he has to fill the shoes of a former rookie of the year who tragically passed away in the off season. So, oh my gosh, tough, tough role for Aim God. But we don't have to get into that. This is a podcast <laughs> for not losers. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but yes, let, so I'll I'll do my Toronto team and my my resolution. Maybe maybe it's I'll reframe this as a sort of traditional resolution. Is you know. That the, the, the new habits are something you often want to form with the New Year's resolution. So for the Toronto Maple Leafs, my resolution for them is to take up meditating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in other words, for them to simply calm down. This is, you know, it's it's not easy. And I, I it's definitely not their fault because they play in, I'd say even more than the New York Knicks, like the most volatile city and fan base to play for in sports yeah. is that is that a reasonable I, I think you're on the money there yeah and so i think that you know they've they've had a great year so far people are super amped about it obviously you know there's that classic running joke which is super funny and hilarious about the cup parade and all that stuff um and then obviously when they do poorly we've seen many meltdowns happen uh for Maple Leafs fans. And so I think the message for the Toronto Maple Leafs is just to to meditate, to calm down. Don't get too high on your success. Don't get too low on your failure. Because if if there is one thing that the Maple Leafs have been missing the last few years, and you know, really for the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, maybe even, it is that mental edge and that toughness. And I think that does come with having to deal with the Toronto fan base to some extent. Yeah, I mean I think you're exactly right in that a lot of what holds this team back is a mental block. And I think that if they are able to get past the first round of the playoffs, you'll see it all come together and they'll go on that deep run. It's just this one hill that they cannot get over. But as soon as I think they finally break that in their own heads, they'll be able to maybe even go on a run to like the Stanley Cup finals because they're as talented as anyone. It's just all mental. Yeah, the Bills and the Toronto Police both going to be champions this year. Um, but Griffin, what is your, what is your, I believe it is also a playoff related resolution for a Toronto sports team. Uh, yeah, for the Blue Jays, uh, this is the time of year the, where, like we said, we make changes, uh, this year, I think Blue Jays, it's time to grow up a little bit and win, win the close games. We, they missed the playoffs by one game 
this season, and a lot of that can go back to early in the year. They had to play uh, a lot of games with a bad bullpen, and they blew a lot of very winnable games in those first couple of months. I'm not trying to say like that the Blue Jays had a bad season or a season not to be proud of last year because they had a great year, but it could have been even better. They could have made the playoffs. So I think that this is the year for the Blue Jays to really mature, to come into their own, uh, to embrace who they are as a team, and to win more of those close games and comfortably make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think like you said, it is it's a it's a maturity thing. It's you know something you always see. You know, you look at the the Giants last year. I think that's a great example of a team that just was won a lot of games partly because they were so stable and it never felt like they were a team that were going to go on a long losing streak or you know like like we said like get too high or too low and so I think that establishing that consistency is maybe the next step for a team that obviously we've seen has been can be amazing incredible like maybe one of the best teams in baseball at their best but also are not quite there from the consistency perspective uh but Let's talk, Griffin. Uh, for let's talk about ourselves. Let's get personal. What mm. do you think is going to be your New Year's resolution as a as a sports fan, as someone who is working within this industry we call sport? Uh, what are what are you going to do for yourself this year? Yeah, I mean, this is tough because I know for all our listeners, we're these like unimpeachable voices behind the microphone these <laughs> wise sages of wisdom i i'm mm-hmm. kind of hesitant to humanize ourselves in their <laughs> eyes mm-hmm. but i will admit some flaws that i have um and one of those is that when i'm watching sports especially when it's a big game that doesn't go my way i need to learn how to just breathe in breathe out take a deep breath let it roll off your back because i sit with a loss. I literally sit with a loss. After a bad loss, after a season ender or a heartbreaker in overtime, I will just sit still and I will, I don't get sad. I get mad at the team and the players that I was supporting for not being able to do what I knew they were capable of. Uh, And so I'll just sit there silently. Whoever I'm watching with will like try to cheer me up and I will just not be in the mood. Like it'll take me a good couple minutes, maybe even the rest of the night usually to shake it off. So, um, yeah, that's what I need to learn to do in 2021. Chris is just breathe out. There's always next year. It'll be okay. Yeah, I, I think really not to toot my own horn, but I do think that that is something that I am good at as a sports fan because I think because, uh, as you know, Griffin, I came to sports sort of later in my uh, in my life. <laughs> I sound so old when I say that. <laughs> uh, but, but I you know, I wasn't a consistent sports fan until, you know, high school years. Um, and so I think that there is a little bit less of that sort of inherent emotional link to teams that I'm a fan of. Uh, True, you, that, you came you upon them say. when your brain was more fully developed. You, <laughs> yeah. you have, you're more rational about it. Well, genuinely, I do. I do think that that did help. And you know, I like with the NBA. Like I was a fan of. I came to the NBA first, and I was a fan of the league. Like I enjoyed. You know, the Raptors weren't in the playoffs at that time, so like it was like, oh, I, I like watching the Heat. I like watching the Thunder and all this stuff. Um, so, so I think that there's a, that is definitely an undersung ability is sort of to be able to take that deep breath, take a step back also and be rational, especially about teams that you, uh, follow closely or have a fandom for. I think that that is a, an undersung skill for sure. Thank um, you. 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about uh, my resolution is, you know, this is something that I I can be up and down with, I think, in my sports fandom. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I have it strongly. Certainly last year was a time when my sports horizons and the amount of stuff that I followed closely expanded significantly. Uh, but I'm going to continue to resolve to be more curious in my sports uh, sports fandom and sports following, both in terms of finding new stuff. I know, Griffin, you, you want to talk about professional bowling. Yeah, I was going to ask, have you ever watched professional bowling? I feel like it's, I feel like it would be entertaining. I'm thinking about becoming like a big pro bowling guy. I have watched a YouTube video of, of a pro bowling thing. And I think the, if there's a problem with pro bowling, it's that the, the top level performance is so achievable if that makes sense yeah like, that's that a perfect game like like joe schmo on the street probably if you bowl uh, somewhat regularly you probably get a pro perfect game at least once like if you're the type of guy who just goes to your club once a week yeah i mean certainly once in your life i would imagine uh it's definitely in play and you know if obviously these are professionals like it, a perfect game is very much in play for them and so you know, compared to, you know, dropping 60 in an NBA game, like there's no, there's no, he dropped 60 in an NBA game. I guess if you just bowled like three consecutive perfect games, that'd be sort of similar. But like, I think that is, if there's a problem that it's, it's that the 300 is too achievable. There's, there's a low ceiling. Wow. That's really, that's great stuff. Um, but, but yes. And also, anyway. uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to sidetrack your whole uh your whole resolution with my pro bowling maybe no. pending fascination but wouldn't that be cool if like you met <laughs> sure. griffin and you're like hey what's griffin's what's griffin's <laughs> deal and they're cool. like oh that guy big into pro bowling huge bowling guy the pba he's all about that um but yeah, and also you know i think uh as people who want to be uh who are sports journalists and who want to write and talk about sports i think that having that curiosity is really what makes a good sports journalist is wondering how something is happening why something is happening uh and so you know sort of being able to go beyond that just what is happening uh i think is is something that you really need to cultivate as a sports journalist and is something that i am uh i'll be trying to do in the future going going throughout this year well yeah please keep us posted on that if you find any <laughs> cool new sports or anything like that i'm 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 always down to watch a new sport so yeah We'll do a highlight report this year. Um, and yeah, I think I think that is definitely something that we will be doing this year. I mean, keep on the lookout. I think that we're we're going to have at least one guest, probably some more coming up. I'd like to uh, talk about some some different sports than the ones we usually cover. So get excited for that. But for now, I think that that is, uh, is everything for us today. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say exactly what you are going to say, Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Uh Thank you for sticking with us over the break. Um, please give us a follow on Twitter at HFLC Podcast, and also keep your eyes peeled. We've got an Instagram, a TikTok that we're hoping to get up and running wow. very soon. Uh, so we're going to be all over the socials. If you're if you've been looking for a way to show the podcast to a friend, but they don't want to listen to a full hour to get into the podcast, uh, we're hoping to get more like smaller clips out there so that you can really send them along and you won't have any excuses anymore to mm -hmm. not share this podcast with a friend mm -hmm. like we keep asking you to. Yes, and you keep saying, oh, Griffin, but week. it's too long. It's too long. Now you can't say that anymore. Okay? Also, it's not too long. It's an hour long. That's normal for a podcast. There are longer podcasts, and I know because I host them. Oh, God. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I host another podcast that routinely runs 30 to 40 minutes, so maybe this one is long. Who knows? Why don't you plug that? Oh, I will. Uh, that one will also hopefully be coming back very soon. OUA in conversation. Of course, we took a break uh, for the school exam break and all that, and the OUA was not deemed elite by the government of Ontario. That's a whole thing I don't have to get into right now, but we are going to keep telling those athletes' stories and proving that they are elite and do deserve to be able to play. Absolutely. Um, I also have a podcast called Got the Runs. You can follow that, and I'm not looking up the Twitter name just now. Got the Runs Pod, of course, is the Twitter uh, handle there. That I remember with my brother David, we talked about comic books, having a lot of fun going through the work of Brian K. Vaughn right now. Um, you can follow Griffin at Griffin Porter 97 on Twitter. He just tweeted about Wordle, which is pretty interesting. Uh, oh, you got to be playing Wordle. Today Wordle was my area. first ever Wordle I saw experience. This. I love it. Do you uh, play Wordle, Chris? I'm a big Wordle head. Uh, tough one this today, I will say. So yeah, I'm for us, that you, uh, for us Canadian and yeah, British certainly. spellers. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's not. This will come out in a couple of days, so it's okay that we can say that the word was favor, and it's spelled without a U, which is, in oh. my opinion, a problem, but anyways. <laughs> Wordle is canceled. Yeah. Uh, you can follow myself at C. Housenjan. Um, like Griffin said, you know, rate us, review us, do it to us. Yeah, um, please. Any any platform. I recently found out you can rate people with stars on Spotify. I thought that was only an Apple podcast thing. So I've uh, always been saying rate us five stars on Apple. Also do it on Spotify if you listen on Spotify. Please. Drop those rates and that would be great. Um, oh, nice one. But that's going to do it for us for this week. Until next time, keep your... Wait, what's this podcast called? Keep, keep your, your floors, floors high, high and your ceilings low. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Do you think we'll ever get as close as you and David, like as as good like with the podcast chemistry? Yeah. Um. No. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs>